We've spent the last three weeks looking at love as part of the fruit of the Spirit. And what we've seen is that as fruit, as fruit of the Spirit, love grows from our relationships with, with Jesus, that grows from our faith. We've also learned that love has dimensions, that there is breadth and width, there is height and there is depth to love, and that you cannot sink so low that you sink beyond Jesus' love. You cannot run from Jesus' love so far that you've run beyond His reach. And we've also seen that love is not just expressed in what we do for each other. It's not just expressed in the things that we do for other people. But love is also expressed in the things that we cling to. What it is that we hold on to. What we draw strength from. It was Jesus Himself, the night before the crucifixion, who gave us a new commandment. We need a new commandment. And he said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love is commanded. And so if love is commanded, it is not merely a a feeling, it's not just an emotion, It's not just something we feel because we've grown close to someone. Love is a matter of obedience. Obedience to the call and the character of Jesus Christ. And that ought to cause us to stop and ask, what does that mean? What does that kind of love look like? I heard a story a long time ago about a man that was driving through Scotland. And if you've ever seen pictures, or if you've been there, if you've ever seen movies or or pictures of of Scotland, you see these long and winding dirt roads through the countryside, and they go over the hills and down through the valleys. This man was on one of those long and winding dirt roads, and he turned a corner, and there in front of him was a herd of sheep, (laughs) just right there in the middle of the road. Well, he stopped his car to let them pass. That's always a good idea, by the way. And just as the sheep got to his car, all of a sudden, they turned and went through a hole in the fence and out into the pasture. And, and he watched as one after another, these sheep filed through that hole and, and went out to, to the pasture. All but one sheep. There was one sheep that just stood there and, and did its own thing while all the rest of them were walking. And he thought to himself, that's typical. You know, there's always one in every crowd. There's always one person. Just like people, there's always one that won't go along with everybody else. One that won't do what he's supposed to do. And, and there's that one... Pretty soon, these other two sheep came alongside this one and nudged it and pointed it in the right direction, and it moved on through the hole as well. As the man was sitting there waiting, the shepherd came along and tipped his hat and thanked him for his patience, and they struck up a quick conversation, and the man told him what he had observed about that one unruly sheep. He said, boy, you got one unruly sheep, don't you? And the shepherd said, sir, that, that's not an unruly sheep. He told him what he couldn't have known. So that, that sheep's blind. And the other sheep seem to know that something's wrong with it. And so they take special care of it. They come alongside and they help him out. And you know, there's a Scripture in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians 5, we have the fruit of the Spirit listed. And then we have Jesus' commandment. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. Paul in Galatians 6 seems to bring those two together. And in verse 2, He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Love is like that. I have a friend named Mark. 
Mark's wife, Melissa, was diagnosed with a terrible disease. I don't know if any of you ever, have ever heard of Lewy body dementia, but it is awful. Lewy body dementia will take your mind like Alzheimer's. It will take your body like Parkinson's, and it will fill you with horrifying hallucinations. Mark knew what was ahead for his wife, Melissa, and so he took time away from his business, and he took Melissa to the mountains. He took Melissa to the islands. They went to the beach. They, they, went, to the, they, they went to Las Vegas. They ate at the finest restaurants. They went bike riding, mountain bike riding. They went kayaking. They went all over the place because he knew that his time with her was short. And while he knew that that disease would eventually take her memories, and it did, and while it would eventually take her life, and it did, he would not allow it to take the time he had left to love her. Love is like that. I think about Jason Vale. Maxine would bring Jason to church Sunday after Sunday. This was back when we were in the old building, and we had that ramp, that wheelchair ramp on the side of the building. It was a wonderful ramp, but you had to make a turn here and go up, and then you had to make another turn. And so our elders would meet Maxine with the wheelchair out in front every Sunday, and they would help her get Jason up. They would carry Jason's wheelchair and make those turns. When Jason passed away, Maxine called. She said, we're making arrangements for the funeral. She said, do you think, you think the elders would want to be pallbearers? Do you think they would want to carry him one last time? And I said, absolutely. Maxine, I, I called the guys. They answered in tears. Yes, of course. As we bear each other's burdens, love is like that. I think about 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter. I've read it at just about every wedding I've ever done. I even read 1 Corinthians 13 at a funeral not too long ago. It was requested I read it at a funeral. And we, we read this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to realize it was not written for weddings and funerals. It, it, that's not why Paul wrote this. Paul wrote this chapter to a church that they had a bunch of hard-headed people. Can you imagine a church with a bunch of hard-headed people in it? They couldn't get along for anything. They, they would argue about anything. They argued about who followed Jesus right. Well, I follow Jesus the way Paul says to follow Jesus. Well, I follow Jesus the way Peter says to follow Jesus. Well, I follow Jesus the way Jesus says to follow Jesus. They argued about everything. They would have these love feasts. They would have these dinners like a potluck where they would have communion. And the rich people who didn't have to work would show up early. And they'd get there first and they'd eat all the food. And they'd drink all the wine. And they'd be drunk by the time the poor people showed up. And the poor people would show up. There wouldn't be any food left, any drink left, any communion taking place at all. And on top of that, they argued about everything. They argued about how to worship. They argued about whether they should do this or whether they should do that. They could not even agree on whether or not Jesus was resurrected. They wouldn't agree on how He had been resurrected or whether or not they would be resurrected. And so in the midst of a fighting, bickering, arguing church of people that don't know how to get along with each other, what does Paul say? At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I will show you still a more excellent way. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong. I am a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patience and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three but the greatest of these is love. Paul said love is like that. I got the call late one night that Alyssa Camp had been in an accident. And I called Steve, and I told him what had happened. I said, it doesn't look good. I said, one of us needs to get to the hospital, and I think it needs to be you. You're working with the kids. You're working with the youth. And so Steve and Tara Dawn and Nathan and Brittany loaded up and they spent the night at the hospital with the family. And then over the course of the next weeks and months, we were all there watching with, with Kim and Tracy and Mark and Shelly and the rest of the family, watching and waiting and looking for signs of improvement. Those were, those were long hours, weren't they? Long hours of worrying. Paul said love is patience. <laughs> That's not always easy, is it? But love is like that. I remember when Danny and Cindy first started coming to church here. They had only been with us a few weeks. They were in Sunday school class one Sunday, and Lynn Lynn Dennison happened to be in Sunday school that day. Lynn had just lost her husband, Greg, a few weeks, maybe a few months earlier, and, and she was struggling. Lynn had a lot of things that needed to be done that she just couldn't get done, and she made a comment in Sunday school class one day, I've got a, I've got a flagpole. And it's just laying there. I I can't put up a flagpole. I don't know how to put up a flagpole. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to get this flagpole up. A couple days later, someone commented and they said, did you know Danny and Cindy went over the the next day, the Monday after that, they went over and they put up Lynn's flagpole? Do you know they, they went over and put up, she's got a flagpole up. That was kind. Love is kind, Paul said. Love is like that. Back in November, John Cottle called me, and she said, I want to get baptized. Yay. <laughs> that was wonderful. She said, there's just one thing. I, I want my daughter Haley to get baptized with me. And I said, that's wonderful. We'll do that. And so, Jonna and Haley and Madeline showed up one Saturday morning, and as we were preparing for Jonna's baptism, I said to the daughters, would you two like to baptize your mom today? Would you like to do the baptism? And they thought that would be a pretty good idea. And I, got to, I just got to stand there. By the way, you can fit four people in that baptistry. I just got to stand there and watch as they 
baptized their mother. I, I think we could have filled it with tears. We could have filled the baptistry back up with tears that day. But I realized something that day. When you bear cancer as a family, you don't just bear the disease, you bear hope together. You, you bear faith together. You endure together. You see, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. Love is like that. When I went to school at Lincoln, I met a man, and I am almost convinced that they built the college around him. And maybe some of you knew him. He's been gone for several years now. But I met a man named Ennis Dowling. He was one of the professors at Lincoln. And when I got there, he was in his 80s. He was retired, but he wasn't retired. He was there every day. He was the curator of the rare book room at the library. And Ennis Dowling was one of those dear old saints, just a wonderful, gentle man. Every time you would encounter him out on the sidewalks, walking from building to building, he would be singing and whistling. And I can't tell you how many times I would be walking to class and Mr. Dowling would be coming the other direction, whistling a song, and he would stop me in the middle of the, in the, middle of the sidewalk and he'd put his finger in my chest and he would sing the words of some ancient hymn to me. And he didn't know me from Adam. He had no idea who I was, but it just was always amazing. He would recall these songs. He had the, one of the largest collections of rare hymnals in the world. He had this amazing collection of hymnals, but I think most of the songs were hidden in his heart. I remember him teaching a class I had. He would come in as a guest lecturer and he would tell us stories about his early years of ministry. He had started preaching when he was 18 years old. He started preaching in 1923. And he would tell stories that had happened decades earlier. And he would tell those stories with tears as he would recall the people that he had ministered to, people that he had helped, the, the struggles that they had gone through, people who were hurting, who, had, who were long since dead, and he was still weeping for them. And I thought to myself, if that's what it means to hold on to your faith, if that's what it means to finish well, then I want to do that. I want to do that. Ennis Dowling was a legend. He was a legend long before I got there. One, of the, one thing that, that Ennis Dowling was best known for was a sermon that he would be asked to preach over and over again. During my time at Lincoln, during those four years, I think I got to hear it twice. But he would preach this sermon over and over again. It's a beautiful little sermon where he just mixed, he kind of weaved different Scriptures together along with stories. Some of the stories were very personal. Stories about how people, through some very simple ways and, and through some extreme ways, how they had demonstrated the love of Jesus. And the title of that sermon was... Love is like that. And what I've, what I've attempted to do today is show you that that sermon was not unique to Mr. Dowling. You're living that sermon. We are all living that message. We've all been touched with the message of Jesus' love because love is like that. There's one other thing that Ennis Dowling was known for. I'm told that he never preached a single message without including John 3.16. Never preached a single sermon without including John 3.16 because he felt that no matter what the topic of the message was, no matter what the point 
of the Scripture was that you should never forget the love of God. You should never forget the cross. The message of God's love should never be left out. And so every sermon included those words, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because you see, love is like that. The cross is not an accident. It was not God's backup plan. It was the plan all along. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verses 10-12, and through 12, he said, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. <laughs> That's a big word. Propitiation means the one and only sacrifice. The only sacrifice we ever need. He sent His Son to be the only sacrifice we ever need for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. How are they going to see God's love? How are they going to know the truth of His love? If God loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's only one way they will know and that is through you and me because love is like that. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God's love is like that. And so I want to conclude with the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 8. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you remember what Jesus said? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Kansas Christian Church, my friends, my family, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another and let the world see that love is like that. Let's stand. Father, we live in a world that is starving for love. They have turned everywhere looking for it. They have looked in lust and bad relationships. They have looked online for followers and likes. And they've even looked in themselves just to, to love themselves for who they are. But Father, love, Your love is not like any of those things. And so as we live in this world, let us love as You taught us to love. Let us give of ourselves, not so they will see how loving or special we are, but so they can finally get a glimpse of You so they will truly know Your love.
And we thank you today for the way you have loved us through your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.